The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father, he said to the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. We continue the Eucharistic discourse of Jesus to his disciples the night before he dies. And he now talks about the spirit of truth that he wants to confer on the apostles, the bishops, because he wants to give them that charism. And he knows how important it is that the church has the truth. This is where Vatican I will eventually codify what all of the tradition had said, that the Pope in particular, but also the bishops in union with the Pope, can declare infallibly truth as regards the moral and the aspects of salvation when taught definitively ex cathedra. That's an important aspect of the Catholic Church that has kept it united. Moreover, Jesus is saying that he wants to give the Spirit to everyone because he wants everyone to have what he has, which is the mind of the Father. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, in a sense, this didn't come out of nowhere. There was a whole Old Testament prefiguring of this truth that would be given to those friends of God who had kept his commandments and the covenant, and God spoke to them about the things that were to come. He unveiled his mind. For example, in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, God spoke to Noah because Noah walked with God. That's a direct statement that God makes about Noah. He doesn't talk to any of the other peoples. He speaks to Noah about the flood and how the Lord needs to cleanse the earth. Noah hears. After all, he walks with God. He obeys, and the world is saved. Same with Abraham when it comes to the future things that will happen to Sodom and Gomorrah. God speaks directly to Abraham when he comes to visit him in his tent because Abraham is a friend of God, keeps the covenant. God speaks through the prophets when they declare, thus says the Lord, because the prophets suffered and walked with God. Now, those were just prefigurings because the fullness of this truth will be revealed when the Holy Spirit comes upon us at Pentecost. Notice the preconditions that we walk with God, that we keep the commandments of God. Then we are friends of the King. And in the old medieval days, that was a specific title. If you were a, quote, friend of the King, the King would, first of all, have special privileges given to you that you could visit the king and be admitted into his inner sanctum. 
And then he would speak to you about the things that are on his mind. There would be that intimacy. This is what God wants for all of us. He wants for the church. We see an example of this in the first reading from Acts chapter 17 when St. Paul goes all the way to Athens. Paul knows that God wants to reveal to the Athenians, those pagans, also his mind. He wants this intimacy, but he knows how far they are away from him. And so Paul begins where they are at. Notice he's talking to pagans, so he doesn't have any foundation or common beginnings as he did with the Jews when he was converting them to Christianity. At least he had the old covenant that they knew and the one God. Here, the pagans don't know the Old Testament. They don't have the covenant. But they do have the quality of being created in God's image and likeness and this inner hunger to know ultimate truth, goodness and beauty. That's where Paul starts. He looks at all the shrines that they have, and then he sees there's a shrine marked to the unknown God, and he says to them, I see you are a very religious people, and that you are even worshiping this unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. And he begins where he knows that they can at least have some common ground. He begins in what they can see, taste, touch, and feel, which is creation itself. So he talks about how you worship the unknown God, but I proclaim to you the God who made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. Then he begins to say, that God who created everything that you are now experiencing, he is not far from each one of us. And then Paul quotes their own poets. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Paul then jumps to the final conclusion. He says, since we are God's offspring, and you are as well, repent. So he gets right down into that moral life that he knows is keeping them from that intimacy. Then he begins to unveil to them the incarnation and how Jesus was raised from the dead, and that's where they have a real issue, and he has to leave them for a time. But he has some followers. But it's a real lesson for us in how to evangelize. He goes to where they are at. He doesn't presume they have any knowledge about God and the Old Testament. But he begins to unveil that from the effects that they see and experience, there is this one transcendent cause who is God, who wants to reveal to them his mind and intimate friendship. Well, he will ultimately convert the Gentiles and bring them into the church, and we still have that mission today. There are many, as we know, who don't know an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit or with Christ. We have the truth. We are friends of the King. Let us then have the courage and the Holy Spirit to lead us, first of all, to build friendships and then declare the one true God who wants to reveal himself to us and bring us to himself in this intimate relationship as we approach the Feast of Pentecost.